This is the Darren Paltrowcast with Darren Paltrowitz. I've been interviewing musicians, comedians, and all sorts of entertainers for almost 20 years. Joan Rivers, Flavor Flav, Paris Hilton, members of Guns N' Roses and the Eagles, and countless others. This show is about artists and why they do what they do. On this edition of the show, I spoke with three entertainers, all doing very well, but on very different career paths. Singer Seven Streeter, drummer John Boakland of the band Bad Wolves, and professional wrestler and vlogger Sammy Guevara. First up is my interview with Seven Streeter, who's written songs for a lot of top artists, including Alicia Keys, Chris Brown, Ariana Grande, and Tamar Braxton. As a solo artist, What You Say was released in November and was the first release off of Seven's forthcoming album, Drunken Words and Sober Thoughts. I spoke with Seven by phone in November about her next album and the journey it took to get there professionally. So you have a new album coming out early next year. How long has it been in the works for? Oh, man, we have been probably creating for probably like a year and a half, something like that, just, you know, just in sessions and um, just kind of experimenting with sounds and things like that. But like a year and a half. I'm really excited about it, though. It's great. And it's totally done? You're just kind of waiting around on it? Or is it still being tweaked and mastered? Everything for me, it, it, when they say it's not over the bad lady things, it's really like that for me. Um, I'm always tweaking and doing last-minute changes and adding last-minute production all the way up until the label says, okay, we got to get it out. <laughs> Well, one of the things I love about your career is that for a lot of people, they're like, yeah, she came out of nowhere. But the reality is you were signed before you were a teenager. You were writing songs for other artists when you were a teenager and a young adult and all that. When you started writing for other artists, was it because you were looking for a deal or is it that you all along wanted to write for other people? Um, I think it was it was probably more so that I just I'm a creative and I like wherever creativity leads me is kind of where I follow. Um, writing was never, I didn't grow up saying I want to be a songwriter. I didn't even know that I could write until the opportunity just kind of presented itself. And I was just willing to kind of just step in and learn as much as I could. And, and it ended up working out and um, people actually liked what I, what I wrote. And I was like, oh, okay, this is really cool. So I can add this to my tool belt. So singer, dancer, now songwriter so it just kind of worked out and is there anything that you still want to do beyond music that you're still hoping to do for example as a creative person do you see yourself as one day being an author um yeah i write so much i want to do a book of poems i want to do a coffee table book um you know i love writing i love uh, i enjoy acting i'll probably get dive more into acting and um you know, I love designing things, so maybe I'll design some clothes clothes or some furniture one day. I just, anything that kind of pushes my mind to, you know, step outside of myself and, and, and be my most creative self. As I mentioned before, you had your first record deal as a kid, and most people are hoping to get that first record deal in their mid-20s, early 30s. Having had that, did you ever have like a part-time job at a pharmacy or a restaurant, or has it been all music all the time? It's been all music all my life. I've never had a nine to five, knock on wood and praise, praise God for it. I've been able to kind of, um, you know, use my gifts to, you know, provide and support my life. Um, it's just always been all music, all creativity. 
uh, all my life. I've, I've never, I've never had a nine to five. And is that kind of the goal to do music for the rest of your life? And I ask that because a lot of people look at music as a stepping stone to have a fashion brand or something like that. I think that music is going to forever be my first love. And it's going to always be um, the foundation of what I, I build upon. But um, of course I want to just, I want to stretch myself. I want to try different things. Maybe I'll be a painter one day. Maybe I'll be a sculptor. Maybe I'll design clothes. Like, um, but my music will be the one constant thing that always remains for sure. And when you're writing an album like Drunken Words and Sober Thoughts, how many songs do you write for an album like that? Does the writing actually go on for years? Um, you know, I think that uh, the writing continues until I get to the bottom of the bottle. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, the writing, the writing continues until I feel like, um, like I'm all emptied out. Um, you know. It's going to continue until I feel like I've gotten all of my ideas out and all the stories out. And, um, yeah, so it, it, if it takes years, it takes years. Sometimes it takes two seconds to write a song. So it's kind of one of those things you can't really gauge, gauge, you know? And this album's out on E1, and you did the major label thing for a lot of years. Do you f see yourself for the long term being an independent artist that owns their own destiny? I actually, honestly, I, I would love that. I, I think so far how it's been going, I love it so much. Um, I love the amount of freedom. Um, I think that if if this situation um, puts us in a space to where, you know, and it makes sense for my business to, to partner with the major down the road, then, you know, we'll do what's best for, you know, for the music and for the integrity of the music and for my, my own, you know, creativity. But um, I love it so far. It's been amazing. I've already asked about if it's really all music all the time in terms of your career, but is your life mm -hmm. also all music all the time? Or is there a seven outside of music that really takes up a lot of time? Um, outside of music, there's my other side and her, her name is Amber, which is my real name. Um, and outside of music, uh, you know, I allow her to, you know, to be free and let her hair down and, um, you know, I'm, I'm a country girl I'm from Haines City, Florida, so I allow her to kind of just roam, uh, roam around Florida and just, you know, chill with her family and let her hair down and take the wig off and put a bun, wear a bun at the top of her head and, um, you know, eat as much mac and cheese as she likes. <laughs> when I think of Florida, I would think NFL Sundays and that kind of living too, right? Um, I mean, you think, I think of Sunday dinners. Um, every Sunday we have amazing Sunday dinners at my grandma's. Uh, she cooks every every Sunday. My whole entire family is there, and um, that we'll actually be able to see. I'm, I'm shooting uh, the sizzle from our reality show right now that we're excited about. So you'll actually be able to see the difference between Seven and Amber and um, how I balance the two. As a lifetime musician here, a lifelong musician, what's the last concert that you went to as a fan? Dang, what was the last concert that I went to? That I went to. Well, I'll say the last most memorable concert I've been to um, recently was probably um, I went to. Oh, you know what? The last concert I went to was a Lucky Day concert. I went to Lucky Day concert in New York, and um, that was amazing. He's a friend of mine, and I'm really happy for him. He actually was just nominated for a Grammy, so that's amazing. That's a great concert. Cool. So in closing, Seven, any last words for the kids? Man, um, I'm just really excited about my new single, what you say and the video being out and I'm happy that it's been received so well. And um, I'm excited about finishing up this project and getting it out to them at the top of the year. It's going to be a really good time, more visuals, reality show, and just more good things going on tour next year. So although all of those things are going to be amazing. 
Great. Well, looking forward to seeing that tour live in New York. Thank you so much for your time. Have a great rest of the day. Thanks so much. See you soon. Next up is my interview with John Boeklin, drummer from the band Bad Wolves. John, who also co-produced the latest album by Bad Wolves, was previously part of the band Devil Driver. Things took off quickly for Bad Wolves after the group's cover of the Cranberries hit Zombie became a global hit. Instead of talking about that new album, well, it's called Nation, N-A-T-I-O-N, I want to learn more about the business behind Bad Wolves. I spoke with John by phone a few days before Thanksgiving when I was sick, so part of my voice being a little off during that one. But thanks to John and the Better Noise music team for making that one happen. Hey, John, how's it going there today? Good, man. How are you? Great. Thank you very much. And I first wanted to ask you about the new record. How long did you spend making it? Um, let's see. I think we started, the first kind of thing started around September 2018, and we had touring as well going on. We went to Australia with Nickelback and we were finishing a five finger tour. So from September to about March or April around there was when the record was kind of done recorded. And then I think it was actually kind of interesting. I think we finished mixing the day to the date a year after um, our first record came out, which was like May 11th. We finished mixing that day. There's not a lot of bands that have been, you know, able to finish two albums and do that many world tours in a two-year period. Did you know outright that this was going to be a full-time band as opposed to just, you know, a vanity supergroup? Um, no. All the success with Zombie just let us, uh, just totally put us on a different platform of expectation and touring and uh, you know, as management and labels say, you got to strike while the iron's hot. So we couldn't just really rest on our first record and you know sit around for two years and take our. We did take our time with it, but um, you know we wanted to get another product out there to keep um, keep the attention and and creativity and in general keep the uh, spotlight on us and not go away and disappear. Did not expect it whatsoever. We expected to be. I've said it many times before is kind of expected to be a low pro band. Cause I know I think everyone in the band knows what it takes to build a band and it takes a long time. Uh, no one ever expected us to get as, uh, as quickly to where we are now uh, in this amount of time at all. Right. When you first came out, people were saying that it's a super group. Did you like that term initially? No, because the way my brain works by definition, we are not a super group to me. A super group is, Reserved, I'd say Chickenfoot is a, is a super group. You know, you got Chad Smith from the Chili Peppers sold millions of records. You got, you know, Sammy Hagar sold millions of records. You know, and, and those bands on their own right do arenas, if not stadiums, when they want to. Um, you know, we're all from household name metal bands within the metal community, which is very small. So I don't really, uh, you, you know, musicians know our names and stuff like that. That's about where the extent of that goes and ends. So uh, I just really don't. Supergroup is, you know, then uh, what's that band? You know, like Stephen T- or uh, sorry, Alice Cooper and Johnny Depp and stuff like that. You Hollywood know, Vampires, yeah. Hollywood Vampires, yeah. Well, those that's what I think of when I think of supergroups. I really don't think of, you know, what's uh, like the damn things is a great example. I still wouldn't think of that as like a supergroup. You know, even though you've got Scott Ian, who's a legendary, you know, act uh, from Anthrax, and Keith from Every Time I Die, and 
uh, dude from Fallout Boy. I just, I think uh, it just doesn't strike me as the right title. We'll have to think of a new title for that. But I'd imagine since everybody was in bands before, that you guys avoid a lot of the pitfalls, you know, that plague new bands in general. Am I right about that at least? No. Um, there's always a learning curve no matter what. It's a new band. It's a whole different vibe. I feel myself being out of tour for years, I think I've really gained a value and understanding of patience. But um, new is that's like saying you, know, you got divorced and your second marriage should be a breeze because your first one, you learned everything. It's, it's just never really the case. Um, each individual has their own pros and cons and things you need to work with. And we, as a collective, no one in this band has ever experienced any sort of major quick stardom way we did. So that was all completely new to us where, you know, Doc and Tommy immediately had to go to Europe and do all these radio shows, acoustic performances live that they've never done before. There's all kinds of new, new experiences with Bad Wolves that was non-existent in all of our previous projects. So um, also we've been supporting Five Finger Death Punch. I don't think anyone in this band, for a long time, I don't think anyone in this band has been like doing arenas for almost a year and a half straight. You know, um, there's just all kinds of learning curves still. And uh, working, learning more, much more about radio is something that none of us had known before because we've never really had hit singles. Um, that's the whole industry side of things that you have to do uh, a lot of obligations with. You know, you do meet and greets and you got to go to these radio stations in the mornings and there's a lot more work involved. So there's just a lot more to it and it's just, it's a whole different beast. Well, 11.7, from what I can tell, is both your label and your manager. Did you know outright that you were going to be recording for your management company? There is a management team called 10th Street, who is, and there's a record label which used to be called 11.7. It's now called Better Noise Music. Um, is owned by the same gentleman, uh, man named Alan Kovac. Um, however, I will definitely tell you that 10th Street and Better Noise Music are completely two different operations. Otherwise, it would just be a huge conflict of interest, maybe. But so you know, they have disagreements and. And Zoltan Bathory from Five Finger is also a management. So it's Zoltan, 10th Street, and then our label is Better Noise. Now how all that works is, you know, there's a, there's a lot of people involved. But um, if that answers your question, we didn't write a record for our management company. We wrote a record for ourselves, which we turned into our label. And um, so far, Better Noise has been very understanding of our metal roots and what we want to do with that and has been pleasantly surprised with not much pushback on, you know, the kind of gentler stuff. They seem to really enjoy our products. So and it's not this like war of, you know, I don't hear a single and all that stuff. It seems so far the list just was very smooth. And looking ahead, because we're just days away from Thanksgiving, how much of your 2020 is already planned? Right now, we there's something that could fall into place in, in late March, very uh, short, but um, right now 2020 is kind of on the books full till July. And do you personally like that, knowing that you've got that much planned ahead and you know where you're going to be? Or is it more overwhelming than it is pleasant for you? It's absolutely not overwhelming. Uh, knowing what you're doing speaks in volumes about your management and the band's 
Well, how would I say it? Uh, a band that's doing well can plan their future. A band that's kind of just like neither here or there has trouble booking things very far out because no one really cares. Um, so it's it's really the music business is very an in, insecure and uh, whether it be financially or morally. Uh, so there's nothing worse when you're ending a tour and you're looking at your future and you see nothing on the table. You're like, mm. uh, it's, it's very scary. So it's very comforting to go, Oh, okay. I, my next six months is planned out for me. Um, just like any job. If you're a contract worker or you, you know, you work, uh, if you're self-employed and doing production or something or hair and makeup or anything, if you don't have anything on the books, you start to get nervous. Same thing as the band. Got it. So if you didn't have all the touring going on, do you have side hustles that you do? Is there much life for you outside of music? Um, there hasn't been any time, side hustles. I, when I was starting this band, when we weren't signed, had no management, yeah, I would take any job I could to fill in the gaps. Um, but for me, the side the hustle is, it was getting this second record complete to uh, a point of satisfaction. So I haven't had any time do any side hustle if you will you know i know like kyle still likes to work on his off time um and that's about it you know sounds like things are going uh, very well which i'm glad to hear john so uh, i guess in closing man any last words for the kids Mm, i would say uh hello kids and i'm sure that you're not kids because uh, our demographic is quite wide so uh, I've noticed that that term, and I say it sometimes too, like, oh, you know, the kids tonight, or I think it's just like it's kind of from the past, but I say it too, and then I'm like, the kids. Mm, no, most of the people there were like 20 and up, but uh, yeah, for the little kids, thank you for coming, and um, I hope it didn't get too rough out there, and for the rest of the older men and women, um, um, thank you for picking up our second record nation if you did, and we're going to be touring on it for quite some time so we should be hitting your market at some point and thank you for the support and thank you sir for uh covering and asking some questions about the band to try and help us uh, spread the word my pleasure hope to see you live in new york very soon really appreciate your time and really glad to see that the band's going far so keep it up oh thank you very much sir and you have a great day last but not least is my interview with sammy guevara Sammy is one of the stars of All Elite Wrestling, or AEW for short, which is seen every week on TNT. Sammy wrestled as part of the promotion's first televised match on TNT. Prior to landing in AEW, Guevara was a standalone wrestler on the independent scene who grew his international profile big through social media. I had the pleasure of speaking with Sammy, also known as the Spanish God, by phone a few days before Christmas. Sammy, how's it going there today for you? I'm doing good, man. How are you? I'm doing great. And being from Katy, Texas. Oh, hell no. Oh, you're not Katie from Katy, Texas. From Houston, my brother. Okay. Well, Wikipedia has that one wrong because I was going to ask you about being from the same place as Renee Zellweger and Jesse Sorensen and a lot of great people. Oh, yeah. Jesse Sorensen, man. He, he's my boy. I grew up in Katy. Uh, and basically a ton of things are wrong on my Wikipedia. So, you know, it, it, I don't blame you. Right, so 2019 has arguably been the biggest year of your career, but people have been following you a long time will see that it's the biggest year of your career because you worked really hard with vlogging and all that. Who was it that really taught or inspired you to do things yourself, to have that DIY work ethic? Um, 
I mean, I don't know exactly like what triggered it. It could be like a subliminal thing. Uh, watching my mom growing up, uh, she was uh, basically raised as a single, single mom, and uh, she put herself through school and raising like three kids on her own, basically. Uh, so it, it could have been coming from that, you know, just watching her grind for years and years. And that's Mama Panda we're talking about. That's right. That's the Mama Panda. Right. So again, 2019 has been a really big year for you. Is there something that you're most proud of from your year so far? I think that match with Cody, that one-on-one match, the first episode of Dynamite, uh, definitely up there of one of the top moments. Uh, it was like the first match on TNT in like 18 years or some, some, something like that. And uh, so it was a lot of pressure going into that one. Didn't know, you know, if uh, if people were going to, you know, I think a lot of people com- counted me out of that. But my whole goal was that was to show that I am a player here in AEW. And I think I accomplished that by the end of it. Had you met any of the other members of the inner circle before you guys aligned in AEW? I, I did actually do a tag match with Santana and Ortiz at Mania Weekend. And uh, so it was kind of cool that now we're teaming up here as well. Um, and I actually worked with... Uh, with Jake Hager back in Lucha Underground last year, he uh, he he broke my leg on that. But it's cool; I can look past it, you know. And a lot of people, you really won over with your appearance on the Talk Is Jericho podcast. When exactly did you tape that? That Thanksgiving week, whatever day that Dynamite was before uh, before the Dynamite. And you were just very honest on that episode when you talked about your roots and how you grew into the person you are today. Did you have any hesitation about being that honest and open? You know, um, that's just kind of me. I, I don't, I don't really like to play a character so much. Um, you know, because some people they're like, "Yo, you seem like such a nice guy in in real life, and then in the ring, you're you're such a bad guy." I'm like. You know, I don't see why you got to always act a certain way. Like, why would I always act all mad? You know, if you get me in the ring, you know, if, you, if I'm in the ring with you, you know, it's going to be different because it's go time. It's business. But you take business out of it. I'm a chill dude. I was I was really wondering going into the interview, though. I didn't know how we were going to take it. Um, but I just, you know, be myself as I always am and, you know, be as authentic as I can so people know it's real because it's really just me being me. Has your life changed since being giving the moniker Spanish God? A little bit, you know, uh, just being in the inner circle in general, like I'm getting recognized a lot more, uh, like a lot more often, like every week I'm going somewhere. I was at the mall getting, like I said, on that Jericho podcast, but uh, I was at the mall, got recognized. And then um, actually going to the airport last week or this week, sorry. Yeah, going to the airport, like, my Uber driver knew who I was. Like he's like, ah, oh, I was running late going to meet him up. I was like, oh, sorry, I'm late. He's like, he's like, oh man, I, I had to wait for the Spanish God. I was like, oh shit, like, you know, it's it's a different, it's definitely different for me. I'm not used to it. And these days, you're based in Houston, where you grew up. Yeah, yeah. I, I was born in Houston. I lived there. I was like ten or something like that. Then I moved to Katy, and now I'm back in Houston. And a lot of people have to relocate cities because they have direct flights and all that. Is there any city that you like as much as you do Houston? Hmm. Uh, Austin's really cool. I like Austin. Um, I also like L.A. and Miami. Those are some spots. So in general, again, going back to what I was talking about, 
you're known for your DIY ethic with the vlogging and all that. Do you have long-term goals of wanting to be an actor or a broadcaster beyond wrestling? Oh, 100%. Like, I have some some big goals in wrestling, but I have big goals in a lot of places, like acting, editing, uh, directing, writing. Like, there's a lot of things I want to do, and there's a lot of things I'm going to do, and it's going to be cool to show people along the way. Um, cause that was one thing going into AEW. They're like, are you still going to make your videos and stuff? Like people who watch my videos are wondering, I'm like, man, I'm always going to be making content of some kind. Content is key. And I hope, you know, I don't know if this is an audio or if you're writing this, this interview down, but like, that's one thing. If anyone takes away content is key. So when you're editing, what do you edit on? I edit on an Acer laptop and, uh, just, uh, when Filmora, that's like my editing software. I have no problem telling people neither like what editing software I use, what cameras, because it's like, it's hard work to do it. It takes time and like, you know, so I do tell a lot of people like what kind of stuff they can use, but a lot of times people end up just quitting because they don't get the views they want and they put in so much more time than they're getting like whatever uh, result they were looking for. Right, Wondershare, Filmora is a great program. Have they given you an endorsement yet, or are there any tech companies that you're going to be endorsing in the near future? Man, we'll see. That's just like uh, it's a very exciting, you know. Like all my social medias, they're growing and stuff like that. And uh, I got different companies just sending me stuff, and so it'll be interesting to see, like, as I'm growing more and more, how much, how many other doors open up for me. I'm sure that eventually some tech companies, like all sorts of stuff. I'll be endorsing. So looking ahead to 2020, do you have any New Year's resolutions? Are you that kind of guy? Because I know you are goal-oriented. Um, it's not so much like a new year, like and these are the goals I want to accomplish this year. It's just goals in general that I want to accomplish. Um, I said it before, and I'll say it always. I'm going to be a world champion. Whether that's in 2020, 2021, whatever year, it's going to happen. I guarantee you. But yeah, 2020, I feel like that's going to be a big year for me. Um, not like I know anything prior knowledge, but th- I just have a feeling about it that uh, 2020 is going to be the year that a lot of people wake up and realize what I've known all along. And any goals outside of the ring? Hmm. You know, um, we're going to hit 100K subscribers next year. That's for sure. So it'll be cool to get that plaque finally. Um Besides that, um, I'd like to collaborate with uh, Casey Neistat. You know, one of these days, uh, him and I, we're going to make a video together. Uh, absolutely some goals right there. And do you have a favorite album of 2019? Hmm. Man, that's a good question. No. <laughs> yeah, I can't, I can't name just one. Like, I just can listen to certain songs over and over. For instance, like 2018, Mac Miller's album. Because that was like his last album. But, uh... I don't know. I can't even, like, I've been listening to some NF and what else? I don't even know. I got to look through my, my playlist, honestly. When you're training and, you know, working on your in-ring work right there, is music a big part of it? Definitely. Sometimes I don't, I don't use the music because it can be distracting trying to find different songs. But uh, a lot of days, it just, you know, it gets you in the zone. Whatever you're feeling, you're feeling angry, you put some rock on or some some, uh, or if you're feeling sad, you know, you put some uh, some sad music, some country or something, like whatever you're feeling and you just kind of vibe with that and you become the music and uh, it kind of helps get through the workout. Makes sense. So in closing, Sammy, any last words for the kids? Yeah, the kids, uh, anything's possible, man.
Uh, you can be me. You could be, but better yet, you'll be you and uh, accomplishing your goals. So life, I think, is the matrix and uh, whatever you work toward, you can have. Thanks for listening to the Paltrowcast with Darren Paltrowitz on the Pure Grain Audio Network. More information on the Paltrowcast can be found online at www.puregrainaudio.com. Until next time, have a great Shabbos. 